Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like Jokic. your sitter. As long as there are fans on, this is one of the best ones I hear about. So the Warrior fans come in here, the Celtic fans come in here, Lakers fans come in here. I take that L on the way out. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am your host, Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to the Denver Stiffs podcast channel on the SB Nation podcast network. It is Tuesday morning and we are back. We took a week off there. Uh, The all-star break is not just for players who don't make the all-star game. It's also for podcasters who don't feel like podcasting. I do. I do feel bad, though. You know, we uh, we share revenue from the, the podcast channel across all of our podcast hosts and it's just based off of total revenue, not necessarily how much uh, how much work you put in yourself. But because I have the only weekly show, everybody else is bi-weekly, I get the largest share of revenue. So when I miss uh, an episode like I did last week, uh, I am now going to unfairly get, get paid for uh, a portion of the revenue that I did not contribute to one week. So I am... You know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just, I'm just a miss with how I'm going to pay back uh, my other podcast hosts the two dollars that I that I most likely owe them now uh, for missing that show. So uh, I'm going to have to make this one a real banger, uh, make up make up for it. So you guys, I need I need like at least you know ten thousand listens on this one show, and then uh, and then we'll all be fine. Um, so tell your friends, tell ten of your friends. Come check out the uh, Denver Stiffs Podcast Network and uh, help our other hosts get back their two dollars. That is that is what I'm asking of you today. Uh, we will, uh, and this is it. Must be it's a strike. You know, this is the thing. They 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 must uh, really want these two dollars because I could get no one to come on to the show this week. Uh, believe it or not, I think everybody else was still on their own All Star break. So we will fly solo on this one. But we'll we will. I always say this. We're going to try and keep it short, and then. Uh, I never do, but, but this time I'll try and keep my rambling to to a minimum. We've got some stuff to go over, obviously, since it's been a bit. I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time uh, on the All Star break. That seems like it's fairly much in the rearview mirror. I got a couple of thoughts, though. Uh, you guys already know uh, if you listened before the the break. You already know my thoughts on the celebrity All Star game, but I got a couple of thoughts about Nicola and his performance there. Uh, so we'll we'll dive into that for just a second. Uh, then we got to talk about these two wins that the Nuggets had against both the Dallas Mavericks and Los Angeles Clippers. Kind of interesting wins. They're not necessarily pretty, uh, but they're not ugly. They're somewhere. They're kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about that and kind of how that looked. And then we haven't really talked much about Isaiah Thomas on the show yet, and, and his uh, his return. So I want to definitely definitely uh, give my opinion 
on Mr. IT and what he's done. Then maybe we'll hit a break. And when we come back, uh, let's talk about the game tonight. I think that's what everybody wants uh, to be talking about today. That's kind of the big, going to be the big buzz around the city. It's kind of crazy now. The Nuggets have, I think, definitely captured uh, the interest of the city. And I think a lot of people are starting to recognize this Thunder game um, is a is a really big game. Some people are calling it a must win. Uh, I don't. I don't believe that. That's uh, the must win is a, is a is a tough term to use in uh, in basketball because there's 82 games, so it's it, you really have a hard time convincing me any game uh, is a must win, say for you know like a game 82 like last year, but um, still a big game. So we definitely want to break get into that. Uh, we definitely want to talk. I want to talk about kind of kind of where the Nuggets go from here and and how the Thunder are are pretty much the main threat at this point to what I would consider uh, a successful season from this point. I think if you were going to look at what's a successful season, you know, uh, from the beginning of the year, obviously everybody would already check out, check the box off. We're done. It's, it's been a success, but um, I think from this point forward, what the expectations should be, have a lot to do with, with how the nuggets can uh, manage the thunder uh, in, in the, this, this stretch down the end of the year. So talk a little bit about that and then we'll just talk, uh, we'll close it up with with kind of more general conversation on the game itself. Give us a little preview of what we might see tonight. That will be the show, so let's not delay and get right into it. Um, All-Star break. First first trip for Nicola. Not the first trip to Nicola. It was the All-Star break. He's obviously been there before for, like, the Rising Stars game. I think he's, this was maybe his what, third year in a row in the Skills Challenge. Um... So obviously he's been there. He knows the kind of festivities. First time they're playing in the actual big game. Uh, I mean, you know, it, the All Star games I think are tough because for for Jokic because he's he's a guy who who naturally is going to defer when he's playing with players like that. Um, but he's a guy who needs to be assertive to be effective and but the other thing is he also needs his his teammates to understand uh how he uses that assertiveness i, I guess is the best way to put it and 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 we can we can say without a doubt russell westbrook does not understand <laughs> how how that works so uh it, it's it's tough for Jokic to be to shine in a game like this because he he's not a he's just his personality doesn't really show out um on the court uh, because he, he he he's not that kind of alpha personality that so many of those guys there are. And then, like I said, it, it's not Jokic is not a guy that you just you just throw a bunch of players together and say, "Hey, go play with him," and and then you're going to see him at his finest. I mean, it's it takes as we have seen, uh, it takes a little bit of getting used to to playing that style of offense with a with a point center uh, like the Nuggets have. And and so when you when you throw everybody together for one weekend and, and there's not really a ton. Uh, of coordination anyways, you know, it, it's just not going to work out. And, and, and that game is set up for guys who have a lot of athleticism, um, and guys who are who are really going to basically, you know, ooh and all the crowd with, with highlight dunks and things like that. Um, Jokic, the, the, the oohs and ahs you get from Jokic so many times are him threading the needle on a pass that, that nobody, even some of the best point guards in the league wouldn't attempt, let alone a center. And in, in there's like no threading the needle in an all star break because nobody's playing defense anyway. So you know he, he's almost a waste. 
um, because it's it's not you know they he's he's not really his effectiveness is 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 muted because nobody's really trying that hard on the defensive end uh, on the other end. So it was good for Denver though you know it was good for the Nuggets a good validation I think of the, of their roster and and what they've done this season. Uh, not only to have coach there. But 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 you know, coach is is, is just selected by record, which is uh, which is which is kind of weird to say. That should be the most validating thing of anything. But it, it's it's not. I think in terms of All Star break, you know, hey, Nuggets are just playing really well, and so they get to go to the All Star break. That that's again, it's funny. That's what it should just really be about. But the All Star game, I think, is, is is a lot more about you know stardom, uh, for lack of a better word, and 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 what what really makes it special i think for the nuggets is to see them kind of get back into that national spotlight a little bit and and for people to really recognize nikola jokic is one of the best players in the nba for for the fans to recognize that even though they didn't uh vote him as high as they should have but uh but for the players and then and then the coaches themselves uh because obviously they were the ones who picked the reserves uh for them to to recognize that and to get him out there onto that into that all-star game even though he's you know, like I said, it's not a game really set up for him. It's still getting that exposure, I think, uh, is really big for the franchise and big for Jokic uh, and really legitimizes uh, what they're doing in, the, in this kind of new era, if you will, this uh, the Jokic era of, of, of Nuggets basketball. So that was cool about it. Watching the rest of it wasn't that much. The skills challenge, man, one of these days he's going to win it. He really is. I think, I think he enjoys doing that, which is why he continues to do it. He finally figured out the passing thing, right? He's like, he stopped trying to do a two handed chest pass and just did a a quick one handed slinger. And then of course that one, when he does that, you know, Jokic uh, can just toss it right through the center of the center of the, that ring. Whereas when he was last year, when he was trying that two-handed chess pass, um, he seemed to really struggle with that. So uh, I thought that was funny. You know, one of these years, you know, one of these years he'll get that three-pointer to go down. If he gets that three-pointer to go down, he beats Tatum and he's in the finals. So um, good to see, good to see at a, at, a, at a Joker that he's that he's doing that, and he, he seems to really enjoy that one. So I hope he does keep doing that skills challenge, and I think he will win it. Uh, eventually, because the, the other thing that sucks about the skill challenge, this will be my last thought on the All Star break, but the other thing that sucks about the skill challenge, it really comes down to three point shooting, right? If you miss that three pointer, you're and you're in the lead. You're basically you're at the will of uh, you know the guy who's trailing behind you because if he hits the three, it's over. Um, and or if, and so now uh, the thing is, is a lot of times it, because and because that's how it ends, like the skills challenge as we saw it. it it can end on a guy on a heave rather than rather than actually anything that takes uh, actual basketball skill. And I know some people be upset saying that half-court shots take skill, but come on, we don't actually practice. <sighs> I know, yes, Jamal Murray practices half-court shots before every game, but you know what I mean. Uh, it's not something you actually try and do in a game. And I think the skills challenge is supposed to point out the guys who use multiple skills during a game uh, to impact it, so... I don't know. I, I wish they would kind of change. It. I wish they would kind of make the skills challenge like a, a decathlon, kind of like an all day event. Like, okay, you shoot, you do one round of like the three point contest, then you do like uh, one round of like the dunk contest, which would of course eliminate Nicola from ever competing. Uh, you do, and then you do, you know, maybe that race is like one part of it. But I, I wish they would, instead of just making it that one quick little race thing and like doing it over six times, I wish they would just have like a, a multiple event. Uh, throughout the day kind of tournament going on um, between all the different players and then uh, then see who gets the most points of it at the end. Like I say, kind of like a decathlon. I don't know if you need 10 events, though. 
that might be a bit much. So, all right, let's move on. Um, so Nuggets get out of the break. They come back. They've got the Dallas Mavericks first quick road game against them. And then they head into this four game homestand that they're currently on the Mavericks game. I, um, Boy, it looked like it certainly looked like a game uh, of, of players just getting back from from the All Star break. Of course, Dallas was very uh, undermanned. They didn't have they didn't have Luka Doncic, which is pretty much their entire team now at this point after the trade deadline. Uh, with Chris Saps, Porzingis obviously not playing. I guess I got Tim Hardaway Jr. Now he's okay. Uh, he's a good good scorer uh, to say the least. Man, it's I'm trying to. It's almost hard to remember like who even who even did anything for this team. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at this, like, you look at this starting lineup. So I mean, that the <laughs> the Mavericks trotted out there. You have Slaj Mejri. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith, Max Kleber, Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr. I mean, these are it's just not it's just not a talented roster at all. The Nuggets should have probably won this game. Um, going away, they had a chance, and then they they let it. Uh, they let kind of Dallas almost claw claw their way back into it. There in the fourth quarter, uh, they came into the fourth up by up by seventeen. Dallas ends up getting in all the way down to ten, uh, and then I guess get the win. I, I thought you know some of the more interesting things to see was we got to think see a little more of the rotation uh, kind of frame itself. Obviously, though Trey Lyles being out, we're not sure. I'm not sure if he fits into the rotation anyways at this point now with everybody getting healthy. But we got to see you know with Gary came coming back and now Isaiah being healthy. I mean. One of these days, one of these days, Malone is actually going to start Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, and Jokic. We'll get back to that starting lineup that they haven't seen since game two. Uh, maybe even tonight against Oklahoma City would actually be a game that might make some sense to do it. But, um, you know, we got to see, I think, that the guy that maybe is going to really be only used in spots uh, at this point is a guy like Torrey Craig. And also Wancho Hernan Gomez, and so maybe you throw Trey Lyles in that. But I think we saw that you know, coaches pretty much planning on bringing Mason Plumley, Isaiah Thomas, Monty Morris, and then either right now it's Gary Harris, but you assume when he goes back to the starting lineup, it'll be Malik Beasley. But you that kind of looks like okay, that's his nine, and then he might go to ten, and he might play Vanderbilt or Craig or maybe Lyles when he gets back. Uh, just kind of where, where the matchup was. We saw that against the Clippers uh, when Torrey got some minutes, but. Didn't really see it uh, too much against Dallas. Wancho got out there for a little bit. He was uh, largely ineffective. By the way, something I man, Wancho is just—he's struggling. It, it seems like there's a real big confidence uh, issue with Wancho right now. I mean, when he was against that Clippers in that Clippers game, when he came up to the free throw line and went—I think he had three shots and he only went one for three. You could just tell. You could see it in his eyes. He just didn't think that shot was going down. So, uh, brief sidebar there, but something to watch. I mean, Wancho is is concerning to me right now. Um, otherwise, you know, this, the Dallas game, I, I didn't take a ton out of it. Like I said, I, they should have probably won it by more than they did. Dallas is, when they don't have Luka Doncic, they're a really bad team. Uh, there's just, there's just no other way around it. Um, a very, very even performance by the Nuggets that night, which is good to see, you know, when the Nuggets won 57 games, they had a lot of, uh, they didn't have really any guys. I don't know that they had any 20 point scorers on the team. Pretty sure they did not, but they had, you know, Iguodala, Gallinari, Lawson, all those guys were scoring right around like 17, 18. Seemed very similar, uh, very similar style this time with the Nuggets, of course. Then they have Jokic too, who does so much distributing as well. Um, but you know, seeing a team that can then hit you with so many directions is how you win a lot of games. The thing that we'll, we'll uh, be looking at 
as we get into the playoffs is which one of these guys, these 17 to 18 point scores can be a 25 point night score uh, when they start locking things down a little bit tighter on everyone else. That's, that's something that, to watch in the playoffs, but you know, we, we, this game against Dallas really, really strong uh, across the board from their starters, all their starters in double figures. I think they had two guys off the bench. Isaiah Thomas, probably his best game uh, back with the team. I think um, <coughs> I'll, I'll save. I want to talk about Isaiah in here just a little bit. Um, but yeah, good, good overall, you know, just good, good, good overall ho-hum uh, workmanlike win. Like I said, like I was saying in the start, it wasn't necessarily ugly. Uh, they scored 114 points, but it wasn't really pretty either. It was just kind of a, uh, a Yaoman's uh, effort, if you will, on getting that win. Same kind of same feeling with that Clippers game. They do blow the Clippers out, obviously, win that one 123-96. So when it going away, um, really took control of this game in the second quarter and or sorry in the first quarter um and then and then uh, by the time the second the end of the half they were already up by eight it was starting to look like it was it was going to go their way and by the time they got into the third quarter uh the game was the game was over but they actually pretty much had this thing from the tip i think they scored what it was something like a 12-2 uh to open up they already they got into a double digit lead you know pretty much right out of the gate uh a game that uh, you know, this is, I was catching some flack for this in the comments section, which is kind of funny. Um, it was such a, such a kind of a random, uh, a random thought. I didn't think people were, this is what people were going to get upset about. But I said, you know, we should just ban, ban uh, afternoon weekend games um, because we should, because they're a terrible product. They just really are. It was, this is the second time the Nuggets and Clippers actually have played each other on a afternoon game on the weekend. And they were both awful and they were both just really, really hard to watch. I mean, this is a Nuggets blowout. It should be fun and exciting. They score 123 points. It was terrible to watch. The entire game was just so bad. Uh, and I and I really chalked it up to the the early start because it was really sluggish uh, out of the gate and, and sloppy. And then, you know, the refs they didn't do any favors in the second quarter. They called like six or some fouls right in a row really slowed everything down made it made it just even more of a slog to get through the nuggets just kind of kept that lead kept it growing it slowly uh, but they were the third quarter came out clippers started to look like they really were giving up by the by the fourth quarter now the nuggets are up by you know 20 plus points and so they're starting to kind of give up and you're like trying to get through this last 10 minutes of this game and you're just oh basically peeling your eyelids off because it's so hard to watch so some people brought up a point, you know, that, hey, well, this is this is the best chance I get uh, to go see see the game with my young daughters. And I want to say that's awesome. Counterpoint, no, it's not. I have a, a one-year-old that I've taken to many games. Uh, she's two now, but she was a one-year-old <laughs> that I had taken to many games. Uh, ended up on the Simba cam with Rocky and everything. Uh, and we definitely... Um, we definitely were not going to afternoon games on the weekend. Definitely night games. I understand, though. They do I need to get to bed sometimes. And sometimes... Uh, it can be a little late, but you know, let your kids stay up sometimes every now and then watching the Nuggets at the uh, at the Pepsi Center. Not a bad, not a bad thing. They can sleep on the way home. So I uh, I am going to reject the idea that that if there were not weekend afternoon games, you could not take your small children ever to a basketball game. Um, and I am going to still champion the idea that the product on the court is terrible. You wouldn't want to show your kids that product, anyways. Uh, it's it's an awful awful game of basketball being played out there. So. Uh, I am still pro banning all weekend afternoon games because this one against the Clippers equally equally as um, sloppy as it was 
a couple months back when they did it in L.A. Uh, there, you know, I, I if I'm trying to think, the one guy I, I would take out of that who was who was really good was Paul Millsap, um, and he's been really good now uh, for quite a few games going back even before the break. That is a guy who, you know, when he broke his toe, they kind of said that he's not going to get surgery. Uh, so it's basically a rest thing and then a pain management thing. Um, Paul is a guy you know is tough as nails. Uh, so he's going to manage that pain as best he can. But you, you you had to wonder. I mean, anybody who's ever had a toe injury knows just how, how debilitating that can be, how much... Uh, you don't you don't really understand how much you use your toes until you hurt one, uh, and I am speaking from experience here. But um, you hurt your toe, and it's in it completely. I mean, it's hard to walk. Uh, it's run, jump, any of these things that are, are basketball related activities is really really uh, hard to do. And and you, I think you can tell that Millsap now is starting to maybe that that toe is really not starting to bother him very much anymore. He hurt his ankle, I think, in there as well. Uh, at some point, so it just seems like he's finally getting back to healthy, and we're starting to see the way he looked, you know, in the beginning of the season when he was playing so well, and the Nuggets were playing so well, and their defense was was uh, so good. It's I mean, it's no it's no coincidence that the that since Millsap's been back, suddenly the defense is picked uh, picked back up again. Um, he is uh, he is the anchor for for the Nuggets on defense. So um, he him being back and him looking like he feels good. Uh, has been 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 a huge huge boost for the team, and he really carried them uh, against LA. There were a lot of times, you know, like I said, when it was just getting really sluggish, and there wasn't a lot of momentum, and, and plenty of opportunity where, if, hey, if the Clippers just could capture that momentum, they could come back and win this game. And and every time it seemed like Paul Millsap was the guy who who had that bucket, who had that offensive rebound to make it so that they didn't, you know, that the LA didn't come back and that the Nuggets still stayed ahead. It was really uh, veteran savvy, I guess, in, in a situation like that on a weekend game like that where it's it's midday and maybe people are a little bit not, not as sharp uh, as they normally would be that um, – Having having that that vet in there like Millsap to kind of carry you, I think was uh, was really huge for the Nuggets. So uh, that was that was definitely uh, the highlight of the game in terms of players. Everybody else was uh, was so so, including um, Isaiah Thomas. And and I I really paid a lot of attention to it in this game in particular because um, I just wanted to you know it's now he's, he's had the All Star break. He came back in Dallas. He actually looked pretty good. Was pretty effective scorer off the bench. Um, this game against, against the Clippers, not so much. One thing I noticed it'd be uh, Jokic got into some foul issues, which kind of pushed the rotation around a little bit and ended up making, uh, in the third quarter, I believe Isaiah Thompson and Jokic actually shared, uh, third in the beginning of the fourth, shared the, shared the, uh, court for, for quite a bit of time. That, that matchup is a little, uh, or that, that, that partnership right there is a little, uh, clunky to say the best. I don't know, like we were talking about before, uh, but when we we're talking about the all-star break, you know, it, it takes some time to know how to play with Nicola. I don't know that Isaiah Thomas has really figured that out. I also don't necessarily know that it is going to figure it out. You know, it's really, really obvious with him when, when he's operating that pick and roll that his first, uh, his, his first look is to score, uh, coming off of that pick. And it should be, I mean, he's, he's an excellent, excellent finisher at the rim um really quick able to beat guys coming around that screen with his dribbles so you know it, it's not like i'm saying he shouldn't be looking for it first but 
with Jokic, when Jokic is running the screen, there's very little look, it seems like, from IT to try and maybe get the ball back to him, um, which which the Nuggets are, are very effective uh, doing that, you know, running that pick and roll, and then uh, as, as, the, as the ball handler is driving in, collapsing down on the basket, Jokic is almost running side, uh, side by side with him, and then it's a, a big, you get that dump, they dump it back, Murray will do this a lot, he'll then dump it back to Jokic uh, right there in the key, and usually you get that little little bit of a soft layup, um, you know, he's, Jokic got such quick touch and such good touch right there near the basket that, that he, um, Murray finds a lot of assists that way. Isaiah, it looks like he's not even looking at him. I mean, he, it's funny because with Plumlee, he does, you know, with Plumlee, he's looking for that lob, uh, on that pick and roll, um, to try and get that alley-oop. Obviously, he knows Jokic is not, not going to go up there and get a lob, so, uh, it almost seems like it is 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 head down going going straight to the rim, and that's that's his one option when he's running that with 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 Jokic. I also didn't see a ton of DHO action with those two, so uh, something to watch. I don't know if that's just. I think that more so is just a, a comfort level thing, a thing that as they as they play together more, they'll be you know it will be more more wrecking. Uh, will recognize more to run off that run off that DHO. Um, and get that get that ball from Jokic is kind of like how you see. I mean Gary Harris and now Jamal Murray too has really come around and figured that one out. Uh, and Gary Harris obviously was the first guy to figure that one out. So um, it's just it's, it's just something interesting. I think I think it is still definitely uh, a great asset for them off the bench. I think he's uh, gives them the scoring you need. That they even if it's not necessarily all the time that he's uh, getting baskets to fall. Just that aggressiveness. Um, kind of keeps the energy up when it starts to dip. Uh, so I think that's really key. That that was uh, something that you really got out of Will Barton last season, and they don't have that now, obviously, with Will being on, in the starting lineup. So Isaiah really, I, I, I noticed, can can replace that for the Nuggets um, and give them that, that extra element off of their bench. He's definitely going to put up shots. I mean, he's going to put up at least about a dozen shots every game. You just got to know that. So sometimes he's going to go, seven for 12 and score close to 20 points. Sometimes he's going to do like he did uh, against the Clippers and go three for 11 and only score 10. You just got to, you just got to kind of think, take the good with the bad with him. The thing that you really can't have uh, in the Clippers game, which he was bad, by the way. I mean, there's, there's no other way around it. He was, Isaiah Thomas was not good uh, in that game. And the thing that you really can't have, which is funny because he was plus 11, but everybody was a positive in that game. Um, the thing you can't have is the four turnovers. That that really kills him. 0 for 5 from 3 uh, hurts as well. But that, that obviously, Isaiah Thomas be, is not going to go 0 for 5 from 3. The turnovers is something I think you got to watch uh, because they are already at a disadvantage with him out there on defense. Uh, start turning the ball over and getting things in transition. It just really is going to make it hard for you to keep pace uh, with a team if you're giving them free possessions like that when you already know yeah, you're gonna have to do everything you can to make them work on on their normal possessions. So um, that uh, that is something I think they gotta really keep their eye on with it. I think that's where he can hurt them the most uh, is with is with his turnovers, the the kind of inefficient scoring at times, the the inability on defense, those things you knew from the get go. Um, and I think they've got him slotted in a, in a decent spot in the rotation where where those those risks are mitigated. But the turnover thing really really hurts them so uh hopefully you know hopefully a bounce back game uh after this la game for for it i'm not um i'm not worried about him i think he looks 
healthy and and three games into him being back that's that's the most you could hope for uh so um I think he'll be fine, and I think he's still going to have a big role to play for this team, especially in the playoffs. So, no big worries, but uh, just a couple observations on Isaiah there. All right, like I said, I was trying to make this go quicker, but um, we're already we're already on at our normal break time. So, let's go ahead. We'll hit the break, uh, and when we come back, we will look forward to this game against Oklahoma City Thunder. all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical. Gentlemen, to Pickaxe Fun Show. I am Zach Nikos from DenverStiffs.com, flying solo until my $2 debts are paid to my other hosts for missing a show. So uh, let's keep it let's keep it rolling. We spent that first half of that show talking all about this past week and a little bit about the All-Star break, a little bit about Isaiah Thomas, who has, of course, made his debut, now back with the Nuggets. Now let's look forward to tonight, the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I think we had a roundtable uh, just the other day where, where the question was posed, is this the biggest game of the season? And it is not. Uh, don't let anybody lie to you. It is definitely not the biggest game of the season. It is a big game. Um, it's an important game, important division game against the against the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's, uh, it's 8.30 tip. Good God. Let me. This is another thing I wish. I understand we can't ban these games, but can we also ban 8.30 tips? Because, I mean, some of us work, you know, early in the morning. Some of us are up at, like, 4.35 o'clock in the morning. And so an 8.30 tip, I mean, you know, that means I'm getting to bed at, like, 11. Ugh. You guys might have to tell me how this one is. And it's back-to-back. We're going to do it again on Thursday. Oh, my gosh. What a what a nightmare week for sleep it's going to be for me. <laughs> but, um, 
no, this is this is not the uh, this is not like a must win uh, or anything like that. Don't get it. Don't get it confused. The the closest thing. I mean, the Nuggets have have a home and home against Portland in April. That is probably as close as I think you're going to find uh, to a must win game. Or they might already, they might already be have their uh, seating locked up. You don't know. I mean, it's I don't see any uh, uh, any any game, one game that really stands out. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is this is the must win for them. It is it is a big game though that for them tonight uh, against Oklahoma City. They'll have one more against OKC this upcoming um, right near the end of the season. I'm trying to see, uh, and they're currently yeah, and they're so the Nuggets can win the series tonight, win the the season series tonight. That's right because the Nuggets have only lost one one division game all season. Um, at home, I mean, this is this is the game to do it uh, because it's that that in that aspect it is big uh, to get secure the tiebreaker against against Oklahoma City. Uh, you'd rather do that right here while you're at home than have to try and go and do it on the road uh, later in the season. So from that that standpoint, uh, that's uh, that's probably the biggest part of it. Uh, but but otherwise, I mean, it, it's still only one game. People have to remember that. Yes, it is against the Thunder, who are the three seed. They're only three games back. They're they You could really, really put a dent on their on their chances of winning um, the division because you're you're they're three back of you right now. So now you go four up if you beat them tonight. Plus you secure the tiebreaker. So you're really now five up on the Thunder with. Uh, what with would be with twenty games or so to play? I think uh, maybe twenty two would be left, right? Yeah, twenty two games would be left. So um, five up with twenty two left is 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 the pretty big hurdle to clear. You know, the Nuggets have to do something like twelve and ten, obviously. And if the Nuggets, if the Nuggets go twelve and ten, you know, uh, the the Thunder have to go seventeen and five to to clear it. That's a twelve and ten is probably being a little uh, pessimistic about the Nuggets, and seventeen and five is certainly being very optimistic about uh, the Thunder. So it, it would be it would be a big win in that sense. Um, but if you lose, you're still two games up on them, you know, and you still have a chance to go win the tiebreaker uh, in Oklahoma City later on. So it's that's where I have a hard time like seeing is this is a must win or the biggest game of the season because it, it, there's not a ton. I mean, it would suck to lose, but it's not like it's it's going to completely uh, crush your team's hopes. So I not I don't I don't necessarily buy uh, buy into that that kind of line of thinking that this is uh, this is this uh, massive game and it's going to be a fun game. I mean, it is national TV despite my griping. Uh, last time when the Nuggets and the Thunder played on played on national TV, of course, had that great ending with Gary Harris bearing the the game winner at the buzzer, as you hear during our open uh, on every show. So you know that that's certainly something that'll be it'll be a lot of fun to watch. I also think it's a it's a good measuring stick game for the Denver Nuggets, and here's why: because the Nuggets are are the number two seed. They're they're still chasing the number one seed. They've pretty much looked like uh, you know, a one of the best teams in the NBA, right? But would anybody consider them a finals contender? No. Would anybody? Do people even consider them the favorite to see Golden State in the Western Conference Finals? I would say no. People don't. So, um, this game, I think, on national TV against Oklahoma City Thunder, a team who probably a lot of people do are picking. 
to see Golden State in the uh, Western Conference Finals. Um, it really, I think it's a really good measuring stick, a really good kind of prove it game, really good show it game, uh, and 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 really maybe start keeping that buzzer coming off the All Star break. People saw Nicole Jokic there. Now they've got this national TV game against the you know between the two and three seed. Your game back basically of of the number one seed Warriors. Um, People are going to be paying attention to this one. And in the last time I think people maybe paid attention to the Nuggets was when they played uh, the Warriors earlier this season and they got just absolutely crushed uh, at home. That's the, I mean, that's the, the the last home loss the Nuggets have had in months. I mean, it's been months. I'm trying to think of the last time they lost a home game before that. And it was probably all the way back against like Brooklyn. Uh, you know, in the first you know couple weeks of the season, so this is you know that game when you lose to the Warriors with your home court advantage, it was well they they were coming in clearly to make a point, and when the Golden State Warriors want to make a point, they're probably going to do it. So you you kind of throw that one out in terms of um, looking at it and, and where the team measures up against the best, because we all knew they didn't measure up against the Warriors. Some people were starting to get a little delusional on that front, but most of us all knew they weren't measuring up against the Warriors. Um, so you, you, this game though is, is a game you should win. Like you, you are the higher seed. Uh, you're, you've beaten this team twice this season already. You're at home where you have arguably the best home court advantage. Um, in the NBA, you've got to, you should be able to come in and and beat a high quality team like this. If you're going to be uh, a Western Conference Finals contender, if you want to be taken seriously as one of the best teams in the NBA, then these are the, the games that you win, and these are the games that you don't uh, you don't get punked by two by two superstars in Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Uh, certainly not on your home court. So I'm. I want to see it from that aspect as well. I want to know, you know, kind of see how they, like I said, how they kind of measure up, how they kind of stack up against um, a team, a team that's going to be gunning for them and is going to be on national TV uh, on their home court. We haven't seen this in a bit, uh, and, and last time it was, it didn't go well for the Nuggets though. That was kind of to be expected because it was the Warriors. So uh, that that I think, like I said, I wouldn't say this is a, a must-win game uh, or the biggest game of the season, but it is. Uh, one of the best measuring stick games of the season so far, one of the best prove-it games uh, of the season so far for the Nuggets. So really excited to see it um, from that angle. The other angle I think you have to, you have to definitely look at here with, with OKC is, is, is this is your top division rival. This is the team that you are uh, battling with to win the division. And that that is kind of... I don't think it's been talked about enough, but that that is now clearly the goal for this this year. I don't I don't necessarily care about the one seed because I don't think it matters all that much getting that one home game against uh, Oklahoma City or not Oklahoma City uh, against Golden State. I don't I, I don't think it's gonna make a terrible amount of difference uh, one way or another. So whether you get the one seed or you end up with the two seed is it makes not a not a big difference to me. But but getting the two seed versus getting the three seed. That I think is uh, is something that that is fairly important for the Nuggets to do because listen, winning division titles is is I know it's it's kind of stupid and it's kind of nug life, right? To be sitting here talking about how oh we've got a great chance to win the division title, like who cares? But 
you should care because the nugget it doesn't happen that often. It's not that easy. I was went back and looked at it. I don't think I'm trying to think. I think Carmelo Anthony won the division title. I want to say twice uh, in his entire time. He won it, I believe, in uh, where would that have been? It would have been in 2005 um, against the or not against against anyone, but they won it in 2005. And if you'll remember, though, they weren't even. They were still considered a top four seed because they had won the division, uh, but but they uh, they weren't even um, they weren't even had had a good didn't even have a good enough record to actually have home court advantage in the playoffs. So they they we were a four five seed against the uh, against the the Clippers, but the Clippers as the five seed actually had the actually had the home court advantage. So it's kind of a Kind of a funny, uh, funny thing there. I'm trying to see when when else they would have won one. I think you know, um, maybe 2000. I don't know that they they maybe 2000 2010. Uh, they might have they might have also won the division there. Uh, obviously, so they went in 09, um, and then they didn't. Uh, so they got in 05, and then they they went. Uh, you know, they go 09. Um, Sorry, it was 06. They go 06, they won the, they win the, this is terrible podcasting, by the way. <laughs> this is, so 06, they won the division title. 09, they won the division title. They might have won in 2010. Uh, doesn't really matter. Those, so two or three times is all, uh, is all Carmelo Anthony was able to do in his tenure with the Denver Nuggets in winning division title. They, of course, won one in 2013 with the 57 win season. Um, I think that's it for my lifetime. Pretty sure. Uh, which is which is saying something because uh, I'm pretty old. They might have they might have had one when I was like two or one uh, back in the mo. I think maybe in '88 with Doug Mo. But point being, it really does not happen uh, often. It hasn't happened a lot in Nuggets history. It really hasn't happened almost at all, uh, say for a time here or there since you know their heyday back in the '80s. So. That when you when you you look at it and you you think well maybe not winning the um maybe you know winning all the winning division title is not big I I would kind of say actually it is pretty big it is actually a really uh, important thing to do for this franchise and for this iteration of of the Nuggets because if you if you win the division title uh, and go to the playoffs you you start to put yourself in in the conversation of of the best. Uh, Nuggets teams ever certainly in the conversation uh, of the best Nuggets teams in the past 25 years. Obviously, everyone's going to think about the 09 team um, because they went to the Western Conference Finals, and that should be the standard. But past that, I mean, if this team if this team wins 54 games or 53 games and wins a first round playoff series, are you going to say they're better than the 2013 uh, team that won 57 but lost to Golden State in the first round? Yeah, you probably are. Uh, are you going to say that this team is better than the 94 Nuggets who uh, were an eight seed and obviously had a huge upset against the Supersonics? You probably are. I mean, you those, those teams have some nostalgic spots in our hearts, but but their playoff success was 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 nothing. So you're uh, you're gonna you're gonna immediately leapfrog all those teams and then all these. I, I mean, we we all know about Carmelo Anthony. He couldn't make it out of the first round with any team except for the 09 team. So if you win, if you win your division and get a first round 
playoff series victory. I mean, now you're you're talking you're talking a, a top three or top three to five team all time uh, in Denver Nuggets history, and and we're only you know we're only in the very beginning of this era. So winning that division, I think, is important, and and I think it's. Um, we were talking more about the all, you know, the All Star break being a validation of this team. I think that uh, the All Star break was a validation of, of of this team somewhat in in terms of the national spotlight. I think uh, winning the division and then and then getting that getting a first round playoff series win uh, puts this team on the map in terms of a, a historical. Um, perspective even just winning the division even if they won the division and then had a huge disappointment and lost in the first round say they get the second seed they get the lakers lebron decides to go all playoff lebron and then the nuggets end up losing that series you would still have to put this team in in the top 10 nuggets teams of all time because of the fact that they won the division and it's just something that does not happen uh very often and hasn't happened hasn't happened in five years has only happened three times uh, i believe maybe four in my lifetime um that's that's something i think is special i think it's something that they should they should strive for and i think it's something that uh we as fans if they if they're able to pull it off should definitely recognize uh the accomplishment for what it is which is uh something that not a lot of teams have done in in, in franchise history and then of course if they can back it up with some playoff success then um then of course i think everybody's going to be really excited about what this team is and what what they could become uh all right i think we'll go we'll go ahead and we'll wrap it up right there uh make sure you guys are following me on twitter i'm at zach mikosh uh also follow us at denver stiffs at pickaxe pundits um over on instagram at the denver stiffs where apparently the kids say on the gram i didn't i didn't know that was that was the uh the slang uh, going around, but but catch us on the gram, I guess, at the Denver Stiffs. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Give us a like there. Make sure you're following our YouTube channel and subscribing to that. Uh, and also subscribe to the podcast network, Denver Stiffs podcast uh, or the podcast channel. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. I don't know, wherever you guys listen to your... There's, there's so many different ways to listen to podcasts. It's crazy. Uh, wherever you're listening to it, we should be, we should be there if we're not... Let me know, and I will, uh, I will get that straightened out for you. All righty, everybody. Well, thank you for sticking in for the solo one, and we'll talk to you next week.